Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to PJ's Son. We are on episode 23. I have my lovely wife, Alicia, with me tonight. Alicia, how are you? Pretty good. Yeah, busy day yeah, today. It was a busy day. Yeah. Not really, though. I mean, it's all just what you make of it, right? Yeah. There was a lot of running around. Yeah. I was glad to be back in town. I was glad to be home. You always make fun of me because I'm a homesicker, but I do. Mm-hmm. A couple days is good enough for me, and then I want to get home. Which is why you're not the best person to take a vacation with, like I say, because you're always excited to go, and then we go and we do a few things, and then you're so homesick the last couple of days. It's that thing about <laughs> not having my home base, you know? And then when you're out of town, ev- like, just to go eat is a two-hour ordeal, sure. you know? And so it's like, it just it gets fucking, it gets annoying. I just want to, like, you know? But it, it, I don't know. Just if you want to go do anything, you got to, like, it's a whole planned out ordeal. And sometimes it just gets to be overwhelmed. I'm just like, ugh. Um, I went out of town this weekend, folks. Like I told you on the last one, this was uh, Echo Company, 2nd Battalion, 1st Marine, 1st Marine Division's 20th reunion of the Battle of Fallujah in 2004. Fallujah, Iraq. Um, as I've told you, I was not a part of that fight. Um, when my mom got sick, I had to make some choices. I chose to uh, take uh, a humanitarian discharge is what it's called. It's like a family emergency medical thing. Um, not the not the most popular uh, decision I've had to make in my life, but um, after a reunion last year and then uh, again this year, I know that I made the right decision. Um, almost certainly would not have come home. Uh, the guys that did make it home are able to kind of tell me the story and where I probably would have been when they when my team got hit, my platoon got hit. And uh, um, so in that sense, I don't regret that decision in any way, shape or form. I wouldn't be here and have my family and, and all that other stuff. But, um, you know, it's still a difficult thing that uh, you have to deal with. I'll get into it a little bit more, but um, I... Uh, something that happened this weekend, I, it was like the missing piece um, to my healing or forgiving myself puzzle. And so I feel like I am going to be able to move further down that road of, of the, you know, letting, not letting it go, but forgiving myself for not being there. And let's get one thing very straight before I get into the whole weekend. I know for a fact there was nothing I could have done. Dominic Masters, good Marine or not, there's nothing I could have done to prevent what happened that day. So even though you know that, if uh, anything's ever happened in your life when, you know, like it's just so out of your hands and out of your control, but you still feel like there's something you could have done, you understand where I'm coming from with this. So uh, anyway... I'll, uh, and I'll, I'll touch on a couple of these things later because I, I did take some notes over the weekend. I wanted to make sure that I had this fresh in my head. Uh, again, I got home last night, had to get back to life today. 
kids had friends over kids were gone alicia had a shopping day and all of her stuff she had to do to maintain this household as well as she does so um i had asked her earlier this morning if she wouldn't mind coming down and podcast with me because uh like the elmo episode i wanted to do it while it was fresh so i don't wait another week you're going out of town you know what i'm saying with work mm -hmm. i like if five days from now i could miss out on little things that i hopefully will remember tonight so well, we really haven't even had time to talk about the details of your trip, honestly. No. So, like what you just said, that was new. That was kind of news to me. It was kind of designed this way. Okay. Because I knew this was going to be good. On my flight home, I was listening to uh, the Seven Years one that you did with me, mm. and like you're you whatever you won't say it, but you are so good on like with your broadcasting stuff. You're just really good and. I feel like this is one of those important ones that I need you to be a part of anyway. But uh, yeah, I talked to you for a minute on the phone and of course checked in and stuff, but I didn't want to tell you a whole lot. So it would be kind of, you know, uh, not news to you, mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff, but it, so we could have good back and forth here. So I left uh, Wednesday morning. First crazy thing that happens is on the plane, right? <clears throat> so I'm in, I, I, I check in right when I'm supposed to at 24 hours before I still get B seating or whatever. He told you. I did it right on time. I know, but you it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You pretty much have to do early bird check-in if you want A. Bro, all my flights right. were completely booked. Yeah. I had one window seat. It's not that big of a deal because they were mm -hmm. kind of shorter flights, but I'm like, you know, and some of the people, uh, they need to buy two seats. Anyway, so I'm sitting waiting for the, the B-list people to get on the plane. This dude comes walking by. And you know when you've been around a lot of uh, famous people, baseball players and, and athletes and shit like that. You know how when they try to be incognito, it's actually a brighter light shine right on them, right? So this dude had like this Fendi hoodie on. I only know what Fendi is from like seeing people on YouTube. Like, of course, I'm not affording Fendi wear, but like Jordan ones, some dope glasses. It didn't look fake. A couple big chains, nice watch. He was just kind of swaggy for being on a Southwest flight. You know, he had like mm -hmm. his lady, uh, most of those UFC fighters, like, they're like, you know, pretty girlfriends and stuff. He had two little girls with them. <clears throat> now this makes sense to me as I'm putting this together. I'm like, he looks so familiar. And I see the two little girls, and I remember that this dude had two, has his daughters tattooed on his chest. I'm like, there's no way that's him. Guys, it was Anthony Showtime Pettis, a former UFC champ, I think like a couple times. I'm pretty sure lightweight, if not like welterweight or middleweight or something. But um, <clears throat> if you want to uh, Google him or whatever, he's the guy that ran up this fence in the octagon he ran up the side and kicked benson henderson in the face and like knocked him i mean it's like a it's like mcguire's whatever home run like when it comes to fighting mm. it's it's one of the coolest knockouts in ufc mm. history <clears throat> so um, he, he goes and gets on the plane i'm like no way i'm not gonna fanboy out on the dude because he's like a fighter you know what i mean he's just a guy who can just beat some fucking ass but uh as, so I get on the plane, and he's like two seats behind me. And I'm like, I, I, now he's taking his glasses off. So I'm like, it's definitely showtime, you know? And I've been a fan of this dude forever. So uh, we get off the plane, and I'm, I, I get out of the little walkway thing, kind of situating my stuff, and here he comes walking out. And now 
didn't have his glasses on and get actually took his hat off. I'm like, it's definitely him. So he was standing there kind of getting his stuff together. You know, you got kids, you step off to the side a little bit. I said, Hey champ, I don't mean to make a big deal or whatever. I just want to say what's up, you know, thanks for all the, all the fights. And she was like, dude, right on, you know, what's going on. And I was talking to her for a minute and I said, uh, he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm flying to California. We're, uh, going out to Pendleton for a, a reunion, you know, and he was like, oh, no way, man. He's like, that's awesome. You guys are doing that. You know, I'm like, hey, man, if you want to come down and hang or something, I'm sure the guys would love it. He was like, oh, sorry, bro, I'm busy. He was, I think he's in a different fight league now. I don't know if he's with UFC, but anyway, so that was, that was pretty neat. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't ever get to, I don't see fighters yeah. ever, you know, <laughs> and he's the fucking man. So, um, so yeah, met up with a couple of the guys at the uh, airport um, and uh, we all met up and, got the car and went down to the condo complex. Have you, do you, are you familiar with Donnie Beach? D-O-H-N-E-Y? No. Uh -uh. San Juan Capistrano. It's like Dana Point area. Yeah, I mean, I know the area. That area, yeah. right? That's where we were staying, but like beautiful, cool condo complex. Um, there was a ton of guys there. Wednesday was just kind of getting everybody in. Uh, there was a Mexican restaurant right next door. Didn't you say you looked it up? Mm-hmm. It was pretty. It was pretty good. The menu looked good. I just was impressed by all the mole dishes because you can't get that everywhere. It looks good. Yeah, the carne asada, which is what I went for, wasn't Gomez's mother-in-law's carne asada, okay. but it was good. You know, nonetheless. It's funny because some of the guys were smoking outside, and it's like totally illegal there. And the dude came out, and I mean, it, it, I'll give it to him. They kind of had it going a little bit, and the windows are all open. You're on the beach. We were right across the street from the water. And so, like, it was blowing in, and the guys were, they, you know, because most of them are from places where it maybe isn't legal yet or whatever. So they come out here and they're ready to rip, you know? And uh, the guy came out, he was like, hey, man, you guys gotta, like, go further away if you're gonna smoke. It's just coming in the building. They were like, oh, shit, my bad, you know? But uh, that was pretty funny. Um, so just kind of chilled out Wednesday. Everybody showed up, and one of the guys had a, a suite. So we all kind of hung out in there for a little bit. Thursday was the big day. Um, Thursday, we had planned to go back to Camp Pendleton and more specifically Camp Horno, where First Marines is and has been. Um, when I lived there, they they called it the doghouse of Camp Pendleton. It's, it's infantry only. There was like a couple females in the chow hall and a couple females at the PX. The PX is a little store where you buy toothpaste and socks and whatever, you know, um, which is all changed now, which is kind of weird. Like there are females, apparently they're trying to, um, what's the word when you not interject, but like they're oh, integrate, integrate, integrate females into the infantry world. Um, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Just physically, it's so demanding and tough. I, I you know, and what are you saying though? I mean, that females just aren't generally as strong as males, and to oh. do to do this job with the amount of weight we have to carry, and and then there's also, and this isn't my thing. This is like a there, there's a psychological thing, right? If if my fire team is made up of four men and one women, one woman, if you go down. I'm more likely to being a male. You've got that um, uh, protective thing and you do that with your brothers too. But like, imagine you being a guy and it's your sister. You're going to do shit for your sister that you like, you know, so while doing that, 
you could by chance maybe kind of put other people at risk because you're doing stuff you wouldn't normally do. The G.I. Jane movie, they talked about that big time in that one. It's supposed to be like a psychological thing. Hopefully it works out, man. If, if, if whatever, if they're like good war fighters, bring them on, you know, because that's what is needed. But it's just, my point is it was weird seeing females there, period. It's no, no bag on them or whatever. It's just like a little bit different. There were just zero females there when I was there. Um, but driving on base, like we passed SOI, which is School of Infantry. And I guess when you're uh, 19 going through there, it looks so big. Everything seems so big. Now at 41 going back through there. And there were new buildings and stuff that have been built the past 20 years, of course. But everything just seems smaller. And like passing these kids doing working parties, like you have to pick up cigarette butts and cut grass and like paint curbs and like whatever needs to be done maintenance-wise, we do ourselves. And the, they are children. Like, 18-year-old people are... Ch it was really, really strange. Like, fuck, we used to be there, you know? Not It was a long time ago, but not all that long ago. Um, so that was really weird. But, yeah, some of the new buildings that were up, I just hadn't... I haven't seen. I haven't been back to Camp Pendleton in, since 2003 when I actually left there and got out in 2004. So that was really uh, just wild to see. Um, so you pass up SOI... And then Camp Pendleton's just down Basilone Road. Uh, but even when we got there, the the grinder, it's the parade deck, but we call it the grinder too. What's a parade deck? Um, so if, if Echo Company or 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, everybody were to go out, let's say uh, we were all to go on a, on a company or battalion PT run, or if someone was getting promoted, like one of the higher-up guys, everybody would go out there and line up in companies it's just a huge parking lot is what it really oh, okay. is um but when i was there that place and I, I was talking to the guys all day i'm like dude it felt like this thing was like four football fields long back then and they're like right it's smaller turns out they had i just found this out from one of the guys who lives there now they had built this brand new gym i'm talking about you, you know you're in southern california so there's you know salt doesn't eat up steel as much as it does here they don't have the same type i mean there's salt in the air from the water and stuff but it just doesn't erode steel and rust and stuff they had this outdoor gym that was sick all the like the nicest stuff you could think of an indoor gym that was just like your club whatever around here it was it, it was just beautiful stuff turns out some of that parking lot was taken up by that gym so i mm. wasn't totally wrong that it was smaller but it seemed a lot smaller yeah um Little side note to that, we found out uh, that they are going to be naming that gym the Lion's Den now. The Lion's Den is significant because our commanding officer, uh, I didn't serve under him in Iraq, but he came aboard when I was leaving. His name is Major Doug Zembiek. Uh, you can YouTube or, or Google the Lion of Fallujah, and there's plenty of stuff out there about him. When you think of a man or a Marine, especially a Marine, this is the face and like the body type and the man that pops up in your head anyway. I, I'm, I, I can't be 100% positive, but I'm like 99, undefeated Iowa wrestler in college, like bad motherfucker. 
he was one of those guys that had to shave twice a day. You know, like mm-hmm. when you see a dude that has to shave his face twice a day because <laughs> from zero five when he gets up to like noon, he's already got a shadow. And a guy like me, uh, you know, I can get away with not shaving for two days and you wouldn't even tell. But just little stuff like that, the way this dude spoke to us, the way that uh, he led from the front and the rear, like he he was just the baddest dude. Turns out his uh, military and government contract time, he was a complete stud all the way through. Force recon guy, I mean, worked for an agency and stuff like that. We didn't know any of this at the time, but... Um, just a complete definition of a leader, a Marine, and an overall just bad motherfucker. And he went with the Spartan mentality. That's what he used to always call us. Like, we are Spartan. You know, and it's just like everything about the dude, you wanted to follow him and be like him. If he said go, you went. And so uh, to honor him, they're naming that gym the Lion's Den. And um, that's only a, a small token of appreciation and remembrance for him i know but it's a big deal and it'll live on wait did he pass away yeah he was killed in 2007 oh, oh I'm, you sorry. Didn't say I'm sorry i'm sorry my okay. bad yeah um i don't want to i i you should read the story folks if you're listening on what he did but um he was uh under heavy 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 gunfire and would not stop going back and forth to his men um with ammo and like I mean, the the shit that uh, a, a real life war hero does, you know, it's he's just, I, I, you know, I'm kind of speechless about it. He's just uh, such a great man. And, and his wife has written books and, you know, there are stories to be told about him that the guys were there. We were talking about him and it's like, wow, you know, you're just completely in awe of a man like this who very much so was uh marine to the core and so um yeah he's not with us anymore but so in one way or another but i mean they're they're doing a lot of stuff for him so it, it was awesome but yeah everything looked smaller it was it was really strange to be back so they've got a bunch of porta johns lined up they echo company second battalion first marines first marine division knew we were coming today they like had all their people out helping set stuff up. And I mean, they were totally inviting and like very respectful of of who we were. That doesn't really include me because I did not fight in Fallujah. I was a part of the invasion in 03, but this is not, I can't take any responsibility for this stuff, but I'm so happy to be a part of that family and unit. Um, but the, the current guys who are there now were, they, I mean, they went up the hill. They, they were setting stuff up. They were totally cool. But so they had a uh, Porta John sitting over there and I walked over and was just checking out some of their gear, you know, and like all their rifles have suppressors on them. Now suppressors are the things when you hear in the movie where it doesn't sound real loud. It's just like, a it just quiets the muzzle, the sound that keeps the enemy from kind of having a better idea of where you are. It doesn't flash real loud because like it in the dark, when someone's shooting at you, it's really easy to pick up the signature of the rifle from the visual you have. It's like a fire just blows out, you know? So if you just can kind of zone in on where about that fire is, you can fire back and hopefully get him before he gets you. So the suppressors, but like all their gear is new, nice, like top of the line shit, you know? So I was standing over there checking it out and 
one of their second lieutenants was standing there with him, and he was going, are you with these guys? And it was pretty apparent that I was. But uh, I said, yeah, you know, I was just talking to him, and I was like, hey, guys, this is going to sound weird. I'm I'm a lot older than you now. And it was a totally cliche thing for me to say, but I'm like, enjoy this stuff. You know, like I know that every day doesn't seem great, but this is the best time of your life. Like right now, all the stuff you got to do, you're going to look back when you're 41 like me and remember how much fun it was and how tight you are with these dudes and just how cool this whole experience is. So, you know, try not to take it for granted. And one of the younger dudes was like, you're a... Uh, prior service what do you call me the prior service recruiter or something you know i'm like i get it dude it sounds fucking lame but i just trust me when i tell you that but um so we all kind of uh were hanging out on the grinder for a while with all the rain that they had in california the normal fire break that you would take up okay so a fire break they it's like a football field wide and they cut that down real low in case there's a fire. It's actually for fire prevention. So if the fire comes up to this thing, fire jumps real far. When it's a wildfire like that, it's super windy up there and shit. So um, the fire break is designed to keep the fire in this section, let it burn out, and then be done. That's the point of a fire break. Well, obviously, it just makes a nice path to kind of walk up mountains for. Um, but it was real flooded out and, and just kind of trashed, you know? Um, so they had to, they were making sure it was safe and they had vehicles up there and, um, the, not everybody that went was, uh, in the best of shape anymore. Um, there were wives and children and, um, our one buddy, Aaron Austin, who unfortunately, uh, was killed in Fallujah, his mom, and I don't know her age and I shouldn't be saying stuff like that about a woman's age anyways, but, this old gal made it up that fucking hill. I mean, it was so um, they were all hanging and just like being helpful. Um, we got to walk around. They had some new weapon systems out, the new sniper rifle chambered in four different rounds. You can like change barrels in this thing. Different rounds will allow you to reach out further on enemy targets. So like one round, you can get out to 700 meters next, next round, so on and so forth. That's where that photo came up of Josh and I. Mm. We used to have this thing that we did where we, and it was just to have fun and kind of break up the monotony. But when a dude's behind a rifle, not in real stuff, just in like training stuff, you lay down on top of him behind him. We call it a spotter when you kind of hump him when he's supposed to fire. Oh, okay. So his wife was standing there and he was laying down on this new sniper rifle, just checking out the scope and what it does and stuff. And I said, Hey, I had already met her. I said, hey, Denise, get ready to take a photo. And so I laid down on top of him, and everybody was cracking up. It was pretty funny, but it was a good photo. But I don't understand why. Why would it do, you guys do that, though? What was the point of that? Just to make, just to have fun. Oh, that's for fun? Yeah. It oh. was like our sense of humor is like close to uh, borderline like gay sense of humor, you know? And oh, it's it's all okay. in fun and stuff, but okay. like. You just get to lay down on top of your buddy and hump him while he's behind a rifle. Oh, okay. It's I know it doesn't sound that's, like it. That's new to me. I never heard that. But you wouldn't have. But it it is it, it was pretty funny. Um. All right. So when we were all standing around, um, Gomez and Hyenga and Fullerton and some of the guys that were in our 
in our company and our platoon and, and even more specifically in our fire team, um, our brother, Brad shooter that was killed that day, um, in Fallujah, his parents were standing there. Now I didn't know this at the time, but I know he was a Chinese guy and I knew that he was adopted. I had never gotten to go up. He was from like the Sacramento area, I think up North somewhere. Mm -hmm. If I'm saying that wrong. Um, but some of the guys had went up there and hung when we were still in together just cause he's like, Hey dude, come up, you know? So I had never met these people and they're, they're, I, I say he's Chinese because I knew his parents were white people. I know that they would be a little bit older now. They adopted him when he was a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, so I see these older folks standing there and, uh, I, Gomez had said and Terry had told me that they'd went up there a few years ago to meet them and just kind of talk to them. Um, there were some discrepancies on the attack that happened that day and, uh, they wanted to, you know, kind of let shooters parents know exactly what happened and don't ask because I don't, I, I don't feel that it's appropriate for me to talk about because I wasn't there. So maybe that'll come out someday. I don't know. Um, so I asked Gomez, he was kind of standing off by himself. I said, Hey, are, is that shooters parents? Now, uh, in a fire team, you have a rifleman, which was me. You have an automatic gunner, which was Hyanga. And then you have an a gunner, which is shooter. Um, so, and then bugle was in. So anyway, um, a shooter is a guy that I, I every day, like, one of my best friends, you know, um, we would do just to keep the competitive kind of spirit up. We would do team competitions and we didn't win everything, but we were a hell of a fucking fire team. And so me, him, Doug Costello, like we were always, always, always together. Us, I mean, as a platoon, you're always together anyway, mm -hmm. but a platoon is a big number of guys. Then it goes to a squad, which is a little bit smaller. There's three squads in a platoon. Then it goes to a fire team. There's three fire teams in a squad. So when you're in a fire team with these couple guys, you that's all you, I mean, they, you know them more than anything. I have shit in holes in the middle of the desert with shooter. I, we have uh, showered to get, I mean, like you want to know what a close brother is. This is one of them, you know, all these guys, but shooter, because this story is about him. Um, so <clears throat> turns out it was his parents. Um, now you might remember this, but when I was close to like his bad as I was on the drugs and stuff. Hold on. One day I was sitting on the side of my bed, our bed, obviously feeling sorry for myself and rightfully so. Um, I remember saying to you, Oh boy. Uh, that if shooter was here, he would be better, you know, cause he's a better man than me and he would be a better husband and father. And, mm -hmm. Um, you know, I am disgracing him by living the way that I'm living. And, and all this is true, right? I, I, I don't say this to be self-deprecating on my podcast all these years later. Um, but, uh, you know, he was a real motivator. Not only did I need to get clean and sober for you and the kids, but like, and when I say 
sober people, I mean hard drugs. I, I had some drinks this weekend, and, and now and again, we might have a couple drinks with my neighbors. So I don't want to be false about saying sober, because that is not true. Sober is completely straight edge and all that stuff. So sober I am not, but no hard drugs. Um, and so it took a lot of work after that, but he was always in the back of my head. When I go down to the memorial down here and I go run, Zerhide, Austin, Major Zimbia, every, everybody's like, everybody's a part of a little internal conversation with, with myself that I have. I'm not a real religious person. I'm not a religious person at all, but, um, you know, he's just somebody that I talk to. When I go down there, I go, what's up, cuz? And we, I talk for a minute and, and tell him some stuff. And so, um, meeting his parents and, uh, when I introduced myself, they said, masters, we, I, I remember that name. And I'm like, Oh fuck, you know? Um, but so I, I was telling his parents that, you know, while their son isn't here anymore and while he gave the biggest sacrifice for this country, um, you know, I, he still is with us in a major, major way, especially me. And I told his mom, I specifically, I was like, you know, I talk to Brad all the time. Like he, I always talk to him and it keeps me just kind of in check. And, you know, if I talk to him and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, having bad thoughts or whatever, it, uh, it helps me, um, just kind of remember that like, you know, he died at 20 or 21 years old and he didn't get to do this stuff that I'm doing. He didn't get to be at the reunion. He didn't have kids. None of the things that I'm doing, he got, he didn't get to do any of that. And so, um, it was a huge deal for me. And I, and I, and I told him I was sorry. And that was a big one. Um, again, I know there's nothing I could have done, but I still feel sorry about the fact that I wasn't there for him, you know? And, uh, so being able to talk to them and tell them that was massive. And like, and with everybody there, the last reunion and this one, everybody has forgiven me and told me that they would have done the exact same thing for their mom and, and all of that stuff that you've been dealing with being married to me and with me for all these years. But it's like, he just, it just doesn't fix it, you know, like in a permanent way. Um, but being able to talk to them was so massive for me. And, uh, they, they're still just so positive about all of us and how much we meant to him and, you know, how much he loved being with all of us. And, and, um, you know, so that was a, that was a big key component. I didn't know they were going to be there. So I didn't have any of this like prepared. It was just something I've needed to say for a long time. Um, Aaron Austin's mom, who, like I said, went up the hill, you know, get to talk to her again. And, uh, you know, just all kinds of stuff. Um, another guy in our platoon, Robert Zerhide, that unfortunately uh, was killed. Uh, his son was born while they were gone. Wow. So he had never gotten to meet his son, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I was talking to Terry uh, and... He said, uh, it might've been Gomez. Anyway, um, do you see who that is? And it's this guy in a red shirt. We were all like civilian clothing, obviously. 
I said, no. And his back was turned to me, and he goes, oh, you, you'll see. And the guy turns around, and, I mean, he looks exactly wow. like Zerhai. Exactly like Zerhai. <laughs> and he had, like, a baby and stuff. He's a grown-up, you know? Mm -hmm. So you figure that was 04. He's at least 20, mm -hmm. 21 probably. So he's, like, this adult. And it took me a little while because what do you say? You know? What, what, do, mm -hmm. I, what do I say? I even as a guy who didn't quote unquote have like a dad around all the time, you know, what, what, what can I possibly say that a, everybody here hasn't said, right? Every, all, mm -hmm. everybody's told him what his dad meant and how good of a guy he was and all that stuff. Like, what am I supposed to say? But that didn't excuse me to not say anything, you know? Cause mm -hmm. like, while I have never met you before, I still, it's my duty as a brother of your dad's who's no longer with us to say something, you know, and, and, uh, I don't need to go into the, uh, every detail, but it was like, you know, I'm really sorry. And your dad was a great man. I like, I, I didn't know what else I could say that would be. And you could tell the dudes heard it. And I, I know that he believes what everybody's told mm -hmm. him. And it wasn't like he shooed me off by any means. I'm just saying like, he was used to having that conversation, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, so that was, that was, um, that was important. It was special. It was heavy. It was hard to do. Very emotional for me. Not a, no, nobody else seemed to be quite as emotional as me. But that's pretty standard right? for me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I told all they're like, "Wow, you know, you changed." I'm like, "Dude, this is fucking. This is how I am." You know, when I saw Josh, Josh Hill was the guy that I was humping on the sniper rifle. I have photos of him uh, in Nazaria at this university, and, and I was telling his wife the story, too. He always took pride in his hair. So your hair, for to be in regulations, if, if, if Company Gunny or whoever comes up to you, they go, take out your ID card. You take out your ID card. If your hair is longer than that ID card, so whatever, three inches or something, you're out of regs, and they will send you to get a haircut now or whenever we get back from doing what we're doing. He'll was always right on the limit. Mm -hmm. I mean, Gunny was checking him all the time and Hill took so much pride in that. But, uh, so we've been in Iraq for a while and we were at that university and I mean, I've got this photo of he and I standing there smoking cigarettes, which neither of us do anymore and filthy, dirty, disgusting. And I mean, his hair is, and I'm telling his wife and she's like, you know, surprisingly that is like the story that most of the guys tell me about him is his stupid hair. And I'm like, you would not believe how great it was. You know, he would barely get a haircut. And I know that seems silly to civilians, but it's like one of those things, you know? Um, but seeing him, I, I it's been so long. I, I haven't had contact with him, you know, obviously no social media and stuff, but uh, it was just, it was just special. So, I think uh, the number I got was like 146, but there was there were a lot of people there. But um, we took off to hike up the microwave, we call it. I don't know if it's the highest point on Camp Pendleton, but it's one of them. It's a hike that we did a lot when we were younger, but nowadays, and I, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty in pretty good shape still, but it was tough. Um, Terry had his work boots on. And I go, dude, you, you've got the wrong boots for this job. And he was like, well, it'll be fine. They're brand new. I'm like, that's the problem. And sure enough, he like had to pull over and get some moleskin from one of the corpsmen because he had blisters. Like, I mean, like it was it was tough, but everybody that went 
I'm almost positive everybody that started made it. And it was it was pretty wild to see. How got, long did it take? Uh a good like hour and a half, I think. Okay. I mean, it was a steady climb, high, heavy inclines. Like it was it was a tough hill. Is that the one that you would have to go up with all your your bags and oh, yeah. stuff? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Full gear. Yeah. And the funny part about that is some of these younger guys that are active right now did it with us. Did he fart? He's gross, dude. Some of these younger guys that are active had their shit with them and were struggling, struggling. Yeah. So it's like to see 40-somethings and wives and little kids. The little kids, Terry said, too. He's like, yeah, but they should make it up. You know, they're pliable and flexible and nothing bothers kids. I'm like, yeah, you got a point mm, there. Our kids would whine anytime. We I thought go about it. Walks I thought stuff. about it. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Savvy, maybe Cash, maybe Chevelle. They might surprise us, but the 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 top, the last section was so kind of rutted out from all the rain that it was, I seriously was just crawling, like in an up. Oh, my God. Yeah, in an incline because the, the rain had ran out so hard that you could almost find steps in it. And they had a rope on the one side of it for, like, assistance. But that side seemed a little bit tougher to me. I thought coming up those gullies was a better idea just because you could kind of hold something and put your foot in it. We know, I know shit like crawled up, not because I was dying, just it was easier to maneuver. Mm -hmm. Cause I mean, you're like the, the ground is almost like you could touch it anyway. That's what kind of incline you were on. Wow. So yeah, I mean, uh, I was, I tried to be a smart ass one time and take off running at, at a smaller section up to this next telephone pole. And I didn't recover from that for like a few minutes. I was like, that was a fucking dumb idea. Um, the reason we went up this hill folks, um, uh, after they got back and again, I don't have all the specific details because I was at home or out by that time. Uh, they had taken, I know at least one cross up there. Um, where they had, you know, they hung dog tags and, and there, you would be surprised at how much alcohol was up there. Just, you know, every time guys would go up there, they'd bring a can of beer or a bottle of Jose or whatever it was, you know, um, and, and knives, sandbags, rocks, rocks don't just, I mean, I, I understand a mountain is made of rock, but these are rocks that came from down below. So people carry stuff up as like, make this a little harder on ourselves because our brothers don't get to do it. Mm -hmm. So I brought my pack. This is a weak pack, but I had a few big bottles of water in it. A couple guys had bottles of whiskey. I'm like, throw it in there, you know? And so I tried to hump up some more shit than, than just my clothes. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough one, man. Uh, it was a, it was a good workout for sure. Burn some good calories on that one. But, um, so at the top of that hill, there was that one cross. Well, and I'm sure there was more stuff, but a fire had come through when they were getting those real bad fires. I mean, I know they get them often, but in California, mm. uh, and it burnt the whole memorial down. Mm. So there was a stump left up there that was kind of burnt down. But since they had brought up, I mean, more people have obviously died in the wars since 2004. So there now there's like, I don't even know, 50 something crosses up there. And those each, uh, each one of those crosses indicates like a unit or a platoon or a team. So, right. So it, there's just like it, tons of stuff up there, but it's, there's benches and stuff. It's like this beautiful place and you can look down and see Horno and the the oceans on the other side. And it's just like, it's kind of serene up there. It's really pretty windy and just like, 
you're up at the top of this mountain and there was this kind of feeling, I don't know. It was, uh, it was pretty neat. So guys had a cigar and they were having some drinks as we got up there and stuff. And it was a really, uh, really special time. And I thought I might've been one of the only ones who had never gone up. And that was not true. Like a lot of guys hadn't made it up. You know, a lot of guys hadn't been out there since. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty wild, but yeah, getting down was no easier really. Because, and I always thought this, when you're going down, your toes just slam into the front of your boot. My knees do better going up than they do down, always yeah. have. But um, it was a tough climb down, too. But, you know, we all we all got down. There was a taco truck there before we stepped off. I didn't get any food. Uh, but uh, my buddy Brown's, his daughter's mom was down there, and she was like, hey, you hungry? And I'm like, starving. And she gave me this quesadilla and it had like pico in it. I don't even like pico. I started eating this thing and then we went and got a burrito. It was, it, uh, it was very familiar of when we used to be out in the field and you just come back just starving for like any mm-hmm. regular food, you know? So it was killer. But yeah, um, we went to the PX and I got shirts and some stuff for you guys apparently. No, I, not for you guys. For, for the kids. For, not for, I'm just kidding. I forgot you a little bit, huh? I've been been giving you trouble since. Dude, I know. And it's like I I spent like $118 on clothes. And it was funny because we were talking about it. Like this is stuff we would never have bought while we were in. When Mm -hmm. you're in, it's not cool. Mm -hmm. But when you're out, like you want that. I don't wear a lot of grunt style. As a matter of fact, the only military stuff I wear, period, is 2-1 stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, but yeah, we and we, that place was picked pretty dry by the time I got there anyway. So I was kind of lucky to get anything. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking, and we were talking about it, like what you would do differently now, you know, like if you could go back, what would you do on do tour differently? Right. You might not do anything, but just as far as the gym goes and like, excuse me, I, uh, I worked on infantry stuff outside of hours a little bit but like you know you want to kind of hang and take it easy and Mm -hmm. you know the next day is going to be another tough one but you see all these young dudes and they're all like hitting the gym afterwards you know like after work and i don't know if they're all infantry or not but i don't know i was just thinking i would have maybe played my hand a little bit differently just tried harder you know done more than i could have but we were working pretty hard at the time so well, your brain at 18, 19 is a lot different now. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, I think that's why they get you when you're so young. You know, you don't think about it quite as much. They say, take that building. You just go into that building where now you might be like, hey, why don't we call an airplane just to destroy that whole building and let's all stay hmm. safe, you know? But I guess that's the way that it goes. Um, after that, we went to this bar called Swallows in San Clemente that's a I don't know. Everybody goes to it, but it was like this old cowboy bar and it was all these like rich. It, they seemed like rich dudes that liked the cowboy lifestyle. But this one guy asked kind of what we were all doing. We did not fit the mold of a Thursday night. It was like a line dancing night there. And mm-hmm. he there's just a bunch of like tattooed guys. Some of them like jacked and some of them not. But uh, he was like, Hey, what do you guys got going on? And I kind of told him and he handed me a hundred bucks and was like, Hey man, go, get some beers for your guys, you know? So I went to the bartender. I was like, Hey, can you just gentlemen, you know, keep 10 for yourself, but can you figure out? And like, he brought out a bunch of beers and I don't know. They, wow. Everybody was pretty cool. Yeah. There was zero trouble. 
which um, Sergeant Major Skiles was there. Sergeant Major Skiles was with Ethan Place when mm. he did that uh, TV show, Sniper, Bad Motherfucker. Um, so, you know, you tend to act right when people like that are around. But also, with all the emotional stuff and everything else that had gone on throughout the day, there were, I, I thought maybe there was a chance somebody would get a little rowdy, but absolutely zero problem. You guys are in your 40s, though, right? Yeah, but I don't know. I don't go to bars anymore. Do people I in their forties. This is the first fights? bar I've been to in so long. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, some people still act like idiots, but and and just the thing about a lot of these guys, myself included, don't hang like that or party like that. But at things like this, you know, and mm-hmm. and some of the guys are still able to do it with like no problem, which was wild for me to see. I'm like, I don't know how you guys can do this all the time, man. I'm wrecked, but. Yeah, everybody everybody acted right and got home safe and Ubered and like every mm-hmm. everything was it was mm-hmm. awesome. We got back to the hotel and I had had more than a couple and my buddy Espinosa was with me and the the hotel was sectioned into like two different wings. So if you were on one wing, our key would not work to get in that door to the main building. Or something like that. I don't know. But what happened is we ended up doing circles in this hotel for a little while. And to our one buddy, we were walking up and he opened the door and was like, hey, you fucking idiots. Are you guys lost? We're like, dude, you know. But uh, <laughs> it was it was one of those funny things. But he and I just laughed. I mean, every time, both the two reunions I've been to, the last one, <laughs> Espinosa lost a shoe. And I, I just like, it was the funniest thing in the world to me. Like, How you, do you lose your shoe? I don't know. You'll have to ask PJ Espinosa. <laughs> but it, like he was, we just laughed at him and like you know actually at him not with him and i mean he it's just funny dude I, we <laughs> laughed so much it was great um i saw another kind of like youtube celebrity I, I i think he's a celebrity in his own right anyway i don't mean to say youtube to like put him down but his name's cody alford um uh, ethan place was a hog which is a uh, scout sniper all the way apparently cody was one of his pigs which is a guy who's being trained um to be a uh all the way scout sniper it means it's acronyms but you don't care um but uh you can youtube him and and shout him out uh cody alford he was a marsoc which is marine special operations command so like a commando a bad motherfucker uh scout sniper guy and um his one YouTube video, he got shot in the helmet and it like knocked him out, but like didn't kill him. And apparently he did really good work over there. So I stopped him that night at swallows and just kind of asked him, you know, I said, Hey man, I, I, I kind of follow your stuff, you know, and I, uh, appreciate all the work you do for everybody. He's, he's big into, um, like getting yourself out of that hole and, and positive stuff and mm-hmm. defying the norm, defy the norm is his kind of brand. Um, but just like working hard and getting out of your own way and 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 the spree decor, uh, which is something that we live by. It's like the spirit of the core is what it means. But um, you know, maintaining that lifestyle even after you're out in the real world gets a hold of you. You can still um hold yourself to those standards and stuff like that. So it's like positive message stuff. Um so I, I was just kind of asking him some like, you know, what do you what just 
helpful advice on on podcasting and stuff like that. And he, he gave me all the answers I knew he was going to give me. He's like, what's the problem? I'm like, well, there isn't really a problem. He's like, well, then what are you really asking me? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, are you maybe looking for a shortcut? I'm like, probably, yeah. And he's like, bro, there isn't one. He's like, if you listen to any of my stuff, there's no shortcuts. It's And just like I tell our kids, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, because I was asking him about uh, video and editing. He's like, so you've seen my stuff? And I said, yeah. He's like, what does it look like? Does it, do, you, does it, do you think that I have a producer and like a cameraman? I said, actually, no. It seems like you just hold your phone in your hand. He's like, so you already know the answers to all your questions. He's like, <laughs> he's like, bro, you don't need me to tell you this shit. It's like, you already started a podcast on your own. You got equipment, you and your wife and kids, and you have friends over. He's like, you had Ethan Place on your podcast. He's like, that's maybe the rest of the world doesn't see that as a big deal, but you definitely should. Everybody here sees it as a huge deal because they know what Ethan, who Ethan Place is and what he's done mm-hmm. for this country. He's like, you're fucking doing it. Just turn your camera on. He's like, yeah, man, you you know, you'll mess up a few times and whatever. He's like, but do you think I never messed up? He's like, bro, you already have the answer. So it was it was helpful advice that I didn't really need, but it was nice to hear from somebody like him. That, well, somebody that you kind of look up to, though, for just sure. to make sure you're on the right path. Yeah, I for think. sure. Yeah. I guess I did think maybe he had a cheat code. Like, yeah, dude, get on YouTube, press X, Y, yeah. 6, 9, 8, and it'll show you into this new room where they'll take care of it. It's like, that's not going to happen. You just do it on your own. So, yeah, like you said, a guy you admire for all kinds of shit. He's a fucking monster. He's jacked, you know. So, um, and and all the stuff he did, apparently, uh, you know, bad motherfucker. So, it was cool just to kind of talk to him. Um, the other thing that I didn't, I haven't told you about, I need you to stay awake for this one and then we'll get done here. I know you're tired, so am I. Um, my platoon commander was there. Your platoon commander, so like I told you before, you have a platoon, we're a second platoon, Mm -hmm. and then you have three squads in that platoon, and then there's three fire teams per squad, hopefully if you've got all the numbers. Your platoon commander is in charge of all of you. He's an officer, you salute him, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Lieutenant Wagner came when we, he was uh, lieutenant then, he's a major now, I believe, so he's in charge of way more than just a platoon. And has been for so how many ranks i guess because i don't really understand he's a if he was a lieutenant he was in charge of your well he was what was he called he's a platoon commander so we are enlisted guys meaning you don't salute us he went to officer candidate school which that is getting you ready to lead marines where Terry was a leader of mine, Bugle was a leader of mine, but mm-hmm. these are enlisted guys. Mm-hmm. So he is a different level. You have to salute him when you see him. Well, you don't have to, but you're going to get shit for it. I mean, big time. He takes a lot of responsibility on. He's in charge of everybody. Lieutenant Wagner wasn't with us, and I'm calling him lieutenant because it relates to the story at the time. Sir, if you're listening to this, of course, I know you're not a lieutenant anymore. That'd be like calling a staff sergeant a PFC. Anyway. He came to us when we got home. So I never deployed with him, but we still worked up for the next time we went over there that I didn't go. So I was under him for a while, um, a little while. When I had to make the decision to go home, you know, when my mom had her stroke, I called Bugle. You go and rank and you have a rank structure, you go up. 
you don't just call the platoon commander. You call your team leader first and then your squad leader, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I eventually had to talk to him um, and told him what was going on. And he said, okay, whatever we can do to support you, man. You know, we got your back. Take care of your mom, blah, blah, blah. Well, I had to go out uh, back to Camp Pendleton to get my truck and all my stuff when I knew it was going to be more than just a couple days, right? When I knew my mom was going to be, she was in ICU and it wasn't looking good and it was going to be a little while, I had to go back out there, get my truck, get all my stuff and drive home. Mm -hmm. Check in, I had to turn in all my gear and all that stuff. It's a whole process. But uh, I I had to talk to him and um, kind of let him know like what was going on, you know? And he said the same thing again, like, we support you, we got your back, you know, but uh, having to make that decision, even though I didn't know at the time it was the final decision, right? Because remember, I came home and I was attached to that reserve unit at the airport, mm -hmm. and then time went by and 2-1 had already left again. Mm -hmm. well, I had to stay in contact with him and just kind of update him on what was going on, but... Um, having to make that decision right it was it was a decision of family or family at that time mm -hmm. right like my mom obviously is my family mm -hmm. and she's sick and my dad's in prison my sister has all these kids mm -hmm. there's really no one else to kind of take care of her but then there's this other family that he farted again mm -hmm. sorry there's this other family that i have that i've just been through this thing with mm -hmm. that mean so much to me mm -hmm. A family I didn't know, a family I had to earn, a family that earned my mm -hmm. respect, you know, uh, just across the board, the, the best people that I know. And so, um, yeah, I had to have conversations with him about what to do, mm -hmm. you know, because he's my leader. I needed to know I needed help. I was a kid. I didn't know well, mm -hmm. I, what do I do? And he's like, dude, you, you have to take that. That's your mom. And even understanding that, um, uh, all these years later, I, I just always thought he was like, not mad at me, but disappointed. You know how sometimes that's worse with your mm -hmm. parents? Like, you know, he was, a, he was a little bit of a father figure to me. And, and you know what I mean? He, he's a big deal to me. Um, he was a very hard dude in a good way. Uh, mm -hmm. he was what we call a Mustang. So he went from an enlisted guy to an officer, which we respect all officers no matter what, but an enlisted guy that goes to officer, we respect even more because he's been through what we've been through. Mm -hmm. So he's not some dude fresh out of college like some other platoon commanders we had, uh, one who got relieved of his command in Iraq because he was not ready for the job. Um, but you have to salute those guys, but you do it like, you know, all right, sir, morning. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas a guy like him, it's a different thing because he's fucking one of us. It's just now he wanted to be in charge of us and, and do his best to, to keep us alive and to be a good unit and all that stuff. Is it kind of like we've been watching that show? Um, masters was masters was of the masters air? of the air. Kind of like the one, the pilot who he was kind of Bucky bucks, buddy bucks friend. I think he'd call him Bucky. Yeah. Cause wasn't he, Oh, I don't know if what he was his role, but then he wanted to go back and fight. yeah. You're, you're right. You're kind of what you're saying makes sense. Yeah. Most pilots are all officers anyway, but yeah, it, it's, it's, he was one of the guys basically, mm -hmm. you know, but you had to salute him. Um, so I always kind of just, uh, I kind of thought he was disappointed in me for leaving. Um, and we had conversations and he told me 
how much he needed me and me because you know I, I i can't do anything on my own but as a part of this team we were all very integral like it was very important for us you know and he knew our fire team and me and shooter and high like he he knew what we had accomplished and what we can accomplish and so for all these years and i lost touch with him too and so uh going back at earlier that day when we were on the grinder he was standing over there and i saw him and i was kind of hesitant to even talk to him because i i wasn't sure what was going to happen like how i'm a little bit more on the pessimistic side sometimes and uh had i went up and said hi to him and he would have went who the fuck are you or like hey man good to see you and kind of walked away like i would have been it would have torn my heart out you know because i i cared about this dude so much um, and I walked over and he said, Dominic Masters. And like everyone there, the thing they said the most was you have hair. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, dude, I chose, yeah. I chose, yeah. I, I said, chose, I chose to say shave it back then, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, Dominic Masters, brother, how are you? And like hugged me. And I said, I'm doing great, sir. How are you? You know? And actually, actually I said, I'm doing great, man. How are you? And I was like, I just called you, man. I'm sorry, sir. I apologize. And he was like, shut the fuck up, man. I'm Ben, you know? Mm-hmm. And we're out now, so I don't have to call him sir anymore, but you still do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, uh, you still in St. Louis? And I'm like, dude, all of the Marines you've commanded and like all the countries you've, he lives in Hawaii, he's stationed in Hawaii now. Like oh, he's wow. been all over the world. He's been to this war. I don't know how many times mm-hmm. and it, like all the Marines and all the people and all the names and, and, and everything that he's had to remember over the years and be in charge of, he still remembers little old me mm-hmm. that I didn't even fight with him under him. Mm-hmm. And he, why would you remember, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was so special to me. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, I'm like, yeah, just, you know, raising kids. And he mentioned something, to the effect of, uh, heard you had a rough couple years and I'm, uh, so proud of you for for coming back around and doing what you're doing and that meant everything to me you know like mm. i i'm one of those men that unfortunately well maybe not unfortunately whatever i uh i seek male validation for sure from guys i respect you know it, it feels good for a guy like that to tell you you know and uh so later on at that at that uh bar later um I was kind of, I was just kind of standing there for a second, just kind of taking everything in and just checking everybody out and laughing at people and stuff. And he kind of came over and, uh, it was just like, you know, can we talk? And like, I want nothing more than to have like five minutes of your time. He's a popular guy, you know, mm-hmm. these dudes fought with him. So everybody wanted a piece of him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he went on to tell me that, uh, and I told him, I said, sir, I, I just kind of thought you would be pissed at me and like, like I let you, you and the guys down. That's how I feel. So I figured you would feel the same. And he was like, Dominic, Oh God. Uh, He said, um, I use you as an example to my Marines. He said, my children know who you are. My wife knows who Dominic masters is. And I said, why? And he said, because of the decision you had to make at such a young age when you know so little about life and how it's going to affect you. And ultimately the fact that you are still here based on the decision that you had to make as a kid, he's like, I I tell guys because you're not the only one in my life with all these Marines I've commanded that have had to make these really tough decisions. 
And he said, so when a guy comes in and he's got a family thing back home that he doesn't know what to do and he wants to be there for his guys. But then again, he's kind of he's very obligated to his other family. And he said, I've told your story so many times over the years. And he goes, dude, I, I, I honestly, I would have done the exact same thing that you did. And I, and I told him and I fucking bawled and like, uh, and it's embarrassing, but I'm not embarrassed. Um, just, uh, that I needed that piece of closure I think mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like because all the other guys have told me the same exact thing but sometimes it's who it's coming from mm -hmm. that makes the difference and for my commander my leader my boss to tell me that like I did the right thing and that he supported my decision and still supports me to this day and all that other shit it was like like uh Standing standing in the back of this bar 20 years later, I finally felt this weight. Like when Gomez said it to me a long time ago, I felt a little bit come off. And then Terry mm -hmm. and then Elrod. And then mm -hmm. and then and then I it was always like a little bit was chipped away. And I got a little bit lighter and the the weight was just like a little bit less on my shoulders. And it and it was like um there was this last piece that needed to happen for me. And I didn't even know it. I, I, I had yeah. no clue he was going to be there, of course, but I didn't know that that was what I needed to hear. And it's like, that doesn't make it go away, but I felt this sense of, um, I was going to be able to start the real like forgiveness and healing journey for myself, you know? And, and I told him, I'm like, you have no idea how much what you just said means to me and how it's going to help me be a better person when I go home, you know? And, um, mm -hmm. it was just, uh, it was, it was such a big deal to me to talk to him and, and like, just, I feel have 100% support from him, you know? And, uh, so that was like, it, like, all of these things that happened this weekend were huge caps. Like that, I it, all of them were like equally important. You know, just seeing Hill was as important as seeing uh, Major Wagner, but um, just in a different way. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, so him him telling me that was. I mean, I I and I do. I the last one I felt better when I came home, and this one is just. It's even. <laughs> It's even more than that. Sorry, guys. I'm like fucking tearing up and shit. This is who I am, man. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna not be that. So where the husband cries more than wife. The yeah, wife in this yeah, house. yeah. Okay. There, are no, no questions asked, man. I'm an emotional person. I had to learn how to be this way so I could get over a lot of things. Um, so that was a that was a huge bonus to this whole weekend, and and frankly made the whole thing worth it. Um. Uh, so that would have been Friday night. The next day, Friday, we go out to a dinner and I feel so bad and I should have called Terry before this, but a Lieutenant general spoke to us and I know his name, but I cannot think of it. I'm sorry. Um, he was the regimental commander of all first Marines. Anyway, this guy has been around for 40 years and he talked to us, uh, and, uh, I think that was for us to hear and I don't, I, I'm not personally going to share a lot of the details on that, but, um, again, I was telling Alicia a little bit earlier, uh, 
you just don't get to meet generals like this too often. They're they're busy running the show. So like they they do their best. They're they know they're no better than anyone and they'll be the first to tell you that. But like you just they're busy, you know, so you don't get to meet guys like this too often. And to get to to get to just hear him speak about the world these days and, and how much we all did not only the Fallujah one, so I, I, I'm okay with feeling a part of this speech, um, uh, and, and how important it is for the new generation to come up and, and fight like we did, and, um, you know, just how the world's kind of turning and, and changing a little bit, and so to hear a man like that speak was was really, really special and something that a lot of people don't ever get to hear you know it's it's not common to speak to a general honestly like now with the corps of engineers they come out all the time and stuff like that but to me it's just a little bit different um a, an infantry guy you know so yeah he he spoke to us for a while and uh that was really special and um that was i was gonna be leaving i left saturday morning so that was kind of my time to uh just say goodbye to everybody and tell them I love them. And I hope to see them again at the next one, whenever that may be. I don't know if we're going to do it every year or whatever. Uh, I probably can't do it every year, but you know, every five years or something, hopefully we can, we can do it. But Tommy Adamets was there. Uh, one of my guys, I, it just, it was, it was, uh, it was a very special, heavy, uh, emotional, um, funny 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 weekend i mean it's 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 i don't want you guys to think that we sit around and tell war stories it was more like the funny stuff that happens and um just stuff like that but so yeah i had to uh had to kind of say goodbye because i knew everybody was going to be feeling it a little bit the next day and not be up quite as early as i had to be to get to the airport and stuff so um yeah i was i was i got homesick you don't like I said, man, I just want my home base. And I missed my dog and I want to see my wife and like I miss my kids, you know? And so it's like, like I was telling you earlier, there's only kind of so much of that I felt like I could do. And I, I made my way around and I made sure I talked to everybody. And like I, I got five minutes with all of these awesome people that I know and their family, whoever, the couple guys that had their families there, you know? And so... It was it, for me. It's like, uh, like, I, like we were talking about, just going out and getting something to eat is like a whole thing. I didn't have a rental car, right? So I wasn't. I just couldn't just be on my own. So now I got to rely on somebody and ask them, which isn't a problem. I just don't want to ask people for favors all the time, you know. So yeah, I, uh, I was happy. I was really happy to be coming home. Saturday, however, they, uh, the guys figured out a way to get our beach in San Onofre. Um, kind of, there was no training going on that day. So they had a bunch of food trucks and I talked to Terry He was there and he said that everybody was just hanging and, and cutting up and talking some more. So I feel like I had enough of that for the weekend. And, uh, yeah, I got on my plane and came home and got home about 10 o'clock last night and couldn't have been happier to just kind of get unpacked and have my, I didn't have my knee pillows. I was sleeping on a pullout couch with yeah. two hotel pillows and a cover. Mm -hmm. The pullout couch was okay. I'll give it that. But it wasn't my big California King bed. You know what I mean? And it's those little things that I miss. I know. I'm lot. the same way. 
it's just so weird because like you're in California looking at the water and stuff and homesick. Like it, it's weird. I and I, underst I understand that. And, we and were like that. We were in Hawaii and it was the most beautiful place. And it was the same thing. I'm like, I was sad because I didn't want to come home. Now it's different because, you know, we miss the kids and I, I don't like being away from my dog, but like, you keep saying you're that. in California. I know. I, like, I didn't believe you. I thought for sure, like, you were just saying that. To trying, to, trying to make me feel better? I no, don't know. No, not at all. I, I, and, you know, I would check in with you and let you know everything was cool and that I was having fun and stuff. No, that had nothing to do with it. I could see where a guy would want to do that. Like, you don't want to rub it into your wife's face that you're in California, but that's not even the case with you and I. So yeah. I, I didn't need to do that. And, and, Frankly, we had a break in the weather. It was like 78. I mean, it was mm. it was the epiphany of beautiful Southern California. It was perfect, perfect, perfect weather. The hike was perfect. It was a little bit yeah. cooler. And like I said, windy. So you cooled off a little bit. It was perfect. The water was beautiful. It was like um, in Dana Point, they had some kind of a whale something something weekend where apparently these they were either blue i think they were blue whales or sperm whales like the big big giant fucking whales that was their time of year that if you were going to see them in southern california they were going to be right off of dana point da -da 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 -da. and you know and so it was this huge like festival going on and i mean we didn't go up there but yeah you know but no it was it was perfect absolutely per it rained for 10 minutes when i was at the airport coming home mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, you know, I was hoping it didn't ruin the week, the, the day for everybody else, but it absolutely did not. It blew right over. Good. Um, but yeah, perfect, perfect weekend. Uh, a lot of growth and learning and everything else. Um, so, but I am, I am always glad to be home and even Gomez lives there. And he was mm -hmm. saying like the traveling back and forth an hour and a half or whatever with his family every day. Like he was like, no, dude, I get it. You know, so I'm not the only one. Um, before I wrap up here. I need to talk about and shout out um, what my guys are doing. Robert Shoemate, we call him Heath. Um, Benjamin Leota, Doc Leota, and Chris. Wait, why do you call him Doc? Is he a doctor? He's a Navy corpsman, yeah. Oh, So okay. a Navy corpsman has to go with us. So mm -hmm. while we make fun of the rest of the Navy, <clears throat> in a joking manner, of course, uh, a Navy corpsman is assigned to a an infantry platoon. Sometimes you get more than one. It just really depends on numbers. But um, they have to go on every hike with us. They have to go on all of our training exercises and in combat. They are when you in a movie, if you ever heard anybody, they get hit. They say corpsman up. That's who they're calling. And so our corpsmen are one of us. They wear okay. a different name tape and it says U.S. Navy on it. But. They're fucking Marines like we are okay. for the most part. Um, and uh, my my corpsman, Camacho, was there. Also, a brother, you know, he's he's just, he's one of us. Um, again, Leota was uh, was with Terry, and I talked to Terry a lot over there, and he said this stuff that this guy did under fire for our guys. Like, you cannot save them all. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure that weighs heavy on him, but... Um, an absolute stud is what he is. Yeah. New, New York guy, so I love his accent and all that <laughs> other stuff, you know. <clears throat> and uh, Chris Brown, our other brother, Chris Brown. Not that Chris Brown. This is a different one. This guy doesn't beat up on Rihanna or whatever that other Chris Brown <laughs> is. Um, they, 
over the years have realized, I told you guys about this on the last episode, but I'm going to go over it again. Over the years, they have realized how important these reunions are. I'm, I'm here to tell you right now, it's like uh, one of the most important things um, as far as military service since I've gotten out that has happened to me. And looking back, I wish it could have happened earlier and all this other stuff. It's unfair to live like that, but but it's the truth. Um, so they have over the years been getting everybody together and keeping everybody in touch and staying on the Facebook stuff and all that. These, these couple core dudes, and there's more than just these three. It's just that these three have started this program. Um, but they have seen the importance of what we have going on. And, and on the other side of that, they've seen how much this is irregular. Most, I mean, you know, the guys at work, <clears throat> nobody's doing this. The guys in so-and-so's life back home, Terry, iron worker, works with other veterans. Nobody's doing this. So-and-so at the ballpark. His unit's not doing this. They haven't gotten together. They might, you know, like your dad. He's got his couple buddies he talks to all the time. Mm -hmm. But as a unit, as a whole, people that have been through stuff like this, this is very irregular. Not everybody's doing this, and I 100% believe that they should. Um, so these guys have started legacy military reunions. So if you type in legacy military reunions.org, just don't put spaces and stuff. Just type it all out at once. I've been, uh, the, the, and the website is still under construction a little bit, but if you go in there and find this, um, <clears throat> they're also, excuse me, on Facebook and Instagram. I know what is the Instagram or the Facebook that you, is it called legacy or was that a two, one thing? No, this was just the two, one reunion, reunion for thing. the people who okay. were invited to it. Yeah. Well, I know they have on that. Um, they, they have their own page, look up legacy military reunions. You'll start to see the two, one stuff because we are the only reunion they have gotten to work on so far because this is so new and no one else is doing it. You can go on this website. Um, uh, for instance, Alicia and I have hoodies and I'm going to, I have to get her another shirt now cause she's mad at me, but, um, you can go to the shop section, right? And, and so you'll see the two, one stuff that we have, but it says down at the bottom, if you would like to custom make these things for your unit, you were army airborne 1986 to 19, you can, they'll, they'll, they have all this figured out. I'm, I'm butchering it, but they can make this happen. More than that, and I think more importantly, you listening or your dad or your brother, I just said Alicia's dad, uh, your brother or cousin or somebody who, who could be having a tough time, you know, you're going to have to play this thing per the individual. But if you know somebody who has ever mentioned getting together with their guys again, if you go to LegacyMilitaryReunions.org and just, you know how to navigate a website, it's 2024. You can contact them and get a hold of them and say, hey, listen, my dad, my brother, my cousin, my boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. I think this could really benefit him. So <clears throat> these guys are a nonprofit, um, meaning they do go off donations. They have reached out to a lot of companies, this country in a weird way, not in a weird way, but in a kind of surprising way has done great things as far as supporting these veteran causes. Um, I'm going to talk about it on the, the podcast at the uh, uh, museum um, and try to get these guys in town and maybe see if we can promote some more stuff here in the Midwest um, <clears throat> shoemate 
mentioned something about me helping out kind of as an ambassador in the Midwest region because they're all kind of everybody's spaced out, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do anything I can to help these guys uh, just because I love them and, and I know what this has done for me and, and I can speak on it much like sobriety or something. You know, I feel like I've got my black belt in a few things and it, besides jujitsu, of course, uh, but uh, to see if we can help these guys out. So even if they can't fund your loved one or your reunion, they are very good at the logistics. They can set it up to where you guys got to They A lot of the guys played golf on Friday. I forgot to mention that because I didn't play. They can have food, lodging. They, they know places in Colorado where you're up in the mountains of nowhere. And they're, they're, these, these cabins, these people put on these shows, and or not shows, but these events. And, you know, they'll have trap shooting and, and, and riding horses. And it doesn't even matter what all the bells and whistles are. I promise you there's a bunch of them, but as long as you guys are in one place at the same time for just a day or two, things happen, man. And it's weird, but you, you need to hear that these guys still love you and that they support you and all this other stuff that goes into this reunion, uh, mindset. Um, it's a, it's a very beautiful thing. So I'm going to be talking a lot about them because it's a, it's a cause that I very much support. We, as a family, very much support. Um, so if you, if you can donate a buck or five bucks, man, I don't, I don't want you to go on my YouTube and click like, I don't want you to download anything. I would much rather give any traction that I have over to these guys and, and support this cause. Because again, I know how much it's done for me. So, uh, please, if you could, uh, legacy military reunions, like them on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the thing is to do to get their algorithm and their numbers up. If you could do that, it would be very much appreciative. Um, I know that we're saving lives and helping people live better lives by doing this. So um, thanks to those guys so much. And uh, thanks to you guys for listening. Um, I'm sure I left some stuff out and uh, I'll, I'll take some notes and, and try to make it up to you again. Um, I did have to reschedule with uh, my nurse practitioner from the testosterone clinic. We had some family stuff going on too. So um, I will get her in. She's we're already in trying to get things uh, rescheduled and stuff. So stand by for that one. I do apologize, but you know, family calls and that's what you got to do. So um, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate you very much as always. Um, thank you for downloading everything and, and just uh, letting me talk into your ears for a little while, whatever you're doing. So uh, you guys be cool. Um, you know, and I'll, as always try to do something nice for somebody else and, Maybe maybe now your nice thing you could do is go on your Facebook or your Instagram thing and hit like for these dudes because if you get their numbers up, it's going to help them draw attention and, and let's, uh, let's help some people and save some lives. So if I can ask you to do a favor, that's the one I can ask you to do. So you guys take it easy, be cool, have a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Alicia? See ya. Good night. All right, guys. Bye.